Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm a feminist, but I'll do anything you want. It's the name I use when I'm webcamming. (laughs) Oh, we've spoken. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but when I was watching The Handmaid's Tale, the adaptation of the dystopian novel about a future where women's reproductive rights have become Old Testament in nature, a Hulu drama that's now looking like year six of the Trump administration, I paused it to turn to my husband and seriously say, remember that time I met Elizabeth Moss at that party and she said, call me Lizzie and admired my clutch bag. (laughs) I went home, this is true, and I bought a second clutch bag online because I knew it was wearing out. I wanted to sustain the life of the clutch bag so that when other people admired it, I could then say, oh yeah, Elizabeth Moss liked this one too. Um, I think very successful people are good at giving compliments to get people to like them in real life. So um, I've seen them do it, that's what they do. So that afterwards, your story is, I met Elizabeth Moss and she's so nice, she likes my bag. God damn it, she played me. (laughs) I am a feminist, but my top three ambitions are be braver, be kinder, learn how to twerk. (laughs) I'm a feminist but when I met Elizabeth Moss at a party and talked to her about sexual politics from the 1960s and the struggles of previous women for our freedoms and the nature of power and gender I felt I'd really acquitted myself so well until just at the end I turned and said it's hard for me to imagine that if I had a child that I'd love that child as much as I love mad men (laughs) But I guess you hear that all the time. And she said, no. 
It's true, though. <laughs> Mad Men, the baby. Yeah. Mira Sophie's choice. My friend's really heavily pregnant at the moment, and she's got two cats. And her partner said to me, whenever he sees her stroking the cats, he's worried that she won't love their child as much. <laughs> <laughs> I've got cats like that. Yeah. It, it's he, says he walks in and thinks, you'll never be able to compete. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I am a feminist, but I'll still flirt with your boyfriend. <laughs> Sisterhood? Sisterwood. <laughs> now I feel a bit upset because I haven't seen you flirting with Tom. Okay. Do you know what? When I wrote that down, I thought, Debs is going to bring that up. You made me kiss Tom in an improv show that you were in control of. What? <laughs> Do you not remember that? Everybody. <laughs> when did this happen? No, come on. Tom remembers. <laughs> um, what? Everyone. What? Debs has an improv show where she sits at the back so the audience can't see her and in a disembodied voice she gives the performers instructions and it's incredibly fun and incredibly liberating. She just has to Very do what she told you. And in one of the shows you were like, now you kiss Tom. And Tom and I like, like pecked on the cheek and you were like, properly kiss? <laughs> Because I wanted the audience to have the true story. <laughs> the feeling from here, our theatre, I'm not jealous. I wasn't instigating a threesome, that's clear. <laughs> and actually, I do remember this now because you got me back years later. We were at Latitude and you just made me do a scene. You said, I'm going to turn the tables. Deb's been doing this to us for years. And you made me kiss every single person on the stage. Yep. Yeah. And I'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I was talking to a friend last night on DM who said she admired another woman so much she'd like to body swap with her. And I said, I'd rather body swap with a man because I'd like to try out a penis. <laughs> and she went, oh yeah, I know you, one of the Johns. John Ham, John Stewart or John Oliver. And I said, they are my favorite Johns, but it makes me feel weird having any of them take over my body because then they'd see my cellulite. Like, if you were having sex with John Hamm, you could sort of fudge it, can't you? You can sort of just show the bits. You can no, present the good bits. My first thing would be, John, if we're going to do this, you've got to love every scrap of me. Here's my cellulite. <laughs> Bow down, kiss it. I don't know and that, that and we're... the rest, John. <laughs> I don't know that we're in the same room, though. I think I'm at a sort of carnival machine with a fortune cookie and a lightning storm. And I say, oh, I want to body swap with John Hamm. He doesn't know, he's just in LA living his life. And suddenly I'm on a movie set and he's just at the carnival, I guess now, with the machine going, what the fuck? Do you think right. he has to cancel a lot of work because of body swapping? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I think that person carries on and continues the job. Yeah. So this is Quantum Leap but with John Hamm and sexy women. Yeah, or John Stewart or John Oliver. I don't want John Hamm to hear this and think I'm obsessed with him. I'll have any of the Johns. John Oliver Put is... in the title, don't listen, John Hamm. <laughs> For, for the Women's Equality Party, don't listen, John Hamm. Yeah. <laughs> Not for you. You can't John, even vote in our country. I think... Live from St Paul's Cathedral, the Spot and Ed Shop for the Women's Equality Party presents a special emergency episode of The Guilty Feminist with Deborah Francis White and guest co-host Sarah Pascoe. Special guest Catherine Mayer talking about the election. The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. You've sort of done a haunch sit, which I think you can do. But this is. It is a podcast. 
Yeah, to be honest though, this is exactly what equality is. It's like everyone gets the same, but the people at the front, in fact, benefit. This is democracy in a fucking nutshell. But I'm up the back, you're on the same level. But I can't see or hear anything, you're on the same level. Giving you any extra height would be unfairness to the others at the front. So we're gonna call this the Tory section of the audience. You're right up the front, right up the front. the Tories look, though. None of them look like Tories. None of them visibly look like Tories, but sometimes you they don't. You can't tell. Faces. You, you can't tell. It's like sometimes you're in a monster movie and you don't know which ones. No, you're, sometimes you're getting on really well with someone at a party. Yeah, Tories are amongst us. Yeah, and it's your mother. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And listen, if you are a Tory, you're welcome of you are. to change. <laughs> so you are welcome here. And the reason you're here is to change to not a Tory. And I can only assume you're at the Women's Equality Party fundraiser because you are thinking, those Tories haven't done anything for women in ages. I'll tell you, the only things the Tories have done for a woman ever... All the boy Tories got together, got in a fucking big bus, went around the country and went, oh, read the bus, do what we say. And then when they got what the bus said, they went, oh, we didn't mean you to do the bus thing. Yeah. And then they went, oh, you touched it last. No, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. A woman can do it. It's lucky that bus wasn't going to North Essex because there's a place called Fingwin Ho. And if everyone was doing what the bus said... <laughs> It's a real place, and it goes through Colchester, that bus, and even though everyone in Colchester sees it seven times a day, we still laugh. <laughs> Not all the time. Seven times a day, you yeah. could go past Fingering Home. We live at the bus stop. <laughs> Just waiting for it to go past again. You're making it sound like the Essex joke is fingering home. We're done. It's the best joke. It's the best <laughs> joke in Essex. The other one's Boudicca. You think she was very funny. <laughs> she set fire to everyone. Really? Yeah. It's Boudicca an Essex girl. What? Colchester. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I was raised in Australia. Yeah, I see any tribe, mate. Come on. Is that why you're such a power woman? Because you're Boudicca stock? Yes. Are you? I, I can no, see you on a chariot. Do you think? Yeah. It would be cruel to horses. I would be on one of those... What's those stupid things with wheels where you look like you're leaning forward? A segway. I'd be on a segway. You can't be a, ch- a yeah, warrior. I'm going to lead the revolution on a segway. No. You cannot be yes. a warrior queen. And dogs are going to be chasing after me. So, yes, this is a fundraiser for women's equality. So you've already party, raised thousands of pounds, so congratulations and thank you. Well done. Um, however, we have a minimum spend at the bar... And I don't think we've reached that yet. So we will have to take your ticket money and give it to the bar unless you buy lots of booze at the interval. So if everyone could buy at least... But just like a drink each, not like, oh, I've got to have 50 whiskeys. <laughs> so women's no. equality. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, whatever gets you through the night. If you need 50 whiskeys, then you have to tell yourself it's women's equality. No, if you need 50 whiskeys, we need to do oh, yeah, an sure, intervention. Not. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. This is not a secret intervention for one of you. Now there's a few people in the audience going, fuck, it's my intervention. <laughs> I've known this has been coming for a while. And because it's London, almost every single person is thinking that. Yeah. It's like, it's, everyone's going, it's me. I know it's me. I don't think it's my surprise intervention because I brought it up. Otherwise, you are amazing. <laughs> I've Darren Brown. You've Darren Brown. Darren Brown and I have been working on this event for some months <laughs> to make you think it's your idea. Oh He's God. back there in the loo. I've always wanted to meet him. I'm Come out of the loo. <laughs> 
I had dinner with him one. This is like when you told what? me you had dinner with John Hamm. I had dinner with Darren Brown. You should go out the four of us. <gasps> <laughs> Imagine if you saw us in Pizza Express. <laughs> it's me and Debs, John Hamm and Darren Brown. I love the fact that you think we'd go to Pizza Express <laughs> to <laughs> cater for your vegan taste. They no. don't do anything for vegans. I only have olives and wine there. Oh. <laughs> I don't well, mind. that's the start of a wonderful <laughs> night with Darren and John Hamm. Uh, is just olives, wine, you, me, some brown and some ham. <laughs> so we should probably get on with the show. Brown, brown is heroin, I think. Mm, I think at oh. the moment all we've done is objectified men, which is a quality for women because they're always objectifying we us. Objectify them. We took them to Pizza Express. <laughs> I didn't objectify them. We took them out. I might have secretly objectified them. <laughs> It's all right if it's secret. We can't control each other's minds. <gasps> Except Darren can. Of course. So it's, uh, it's, we're raising money for women's equality tonight. Um, we're going to be asking everybody at home to donate as well. Thank you for those who've come into the room. It sold out so quickly. And because I set up the event, I got all of the emails from angry people saying you shouldn't sell things that sell out that fast. Because oh. it's not fair on people who don't see it for four hours. It's true, though. Equality, again, yeah. that's the privilege of those who sit on the internet all day just going, oh, what's yeah. happening now? Yeah. These people are the scrollers. Yeah. You only got a ticket for this if you're a time waster. That's how it works, people. That's how it works. Anyone with a job isn't here. Which, when we get to the auction, is the concerning part. What no one told me. It was a trick. Oh, shit. I thought I was at a regular show and they were just going to talk about shoes and bras. Oh, we can no. still talk about shoes and bras. Well, we will, I'm sure. <laughs> how unfair it is that we have to wear bras and how unfair it is that men don't get to carry handbags. Under what? normal. What do you oh. think? I just can't imagine being a man and not being able to. They get briefcases if they like them. They don't like them. They I had a briefcase at school for three years and no friends. <laughs> what colour was it? White. <laughs> what material? Fake snake skin. So, next oh, question. I would like that. I think that sounds very I, I chic. I really, really, really wanted to be my mum. Like, I just thought she was such an impressive woman. Were you eight at the time, taking it to school? No, secondary school. Oh. <laughs> 11 to 14. I had to leave my first secondary school, actually, because of bullying, but I did not lose the briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> Took it with me to were my new you, school. Were you bullied because you had a white snake skin briefcase? One of the reasons. It's one of the reasons. Oh, Sarah, I'm so sad. I would no, have protected it's a happy you. ending. Look at me now. Yeah, no, it's true. Where are those bullies now? That's right. Watching you on Outside QI. waiting for me. <laughs> Do you have a challenge, Sarah? Yes, I did a very silly challenge. I decided I would have an election on Twitter because I was going to register to vote, but I am already registered to vote. So I registered in another place. I don't know what happens now. I'm paying council tax in two places because I have a house in Amersham that my ex-boyfriend lives in very happily and, um, and, and I don't. And uh, so I'm renting a flat in Finsbury Park. So now I can vote in both places. But I, do they have like a thing where they cross you off one list when they add to another I, one? I think, what, no, no. What, I think it's illegal though. Two votes for though. Pascals. <laughs> is it illegal? I'm, I'm sure it's illegal. This yeah, highly illegal. Is Michael people McIntyre. are nodding. There are some erudite people in who were already disappointed with a lot of the John Hamm staff, who are now going, no, you cannot vote in two places. What if I cancel myself out by voting for different parties? <laughs> That's not how it works, and no. Okay. Which borough is more marginal? Well, Amersham is in Buckinghamshire and has been Tory since the dawn of time. So, but then that's the thing, you live since at the Since Boudicca was a girl. Since Boudicca was a girl. 
The thing uh, is, it was actually a very excellent council because everyone's got loads of money and they're very good with the bins. Um, <laughs> can we please edit that out? I mean, that's <laughs> not encouraging the right message. Of course it is. It's not the right it's message. silly flippancy. Um, so what I did is on Twitter, mm. I did a vote. The question was, do you like voting? The answers were yes, no, or draw a dick on the paper. And as interested in the first minute, you know, I think this is a good challenge, Debs. No, no, I do. But I feel like most of your followers are going to have said, draw a dick on the paper. No, no. 56% like voting. Oh, yeah. There you go. 10%, but it went down to 9% in the last hour. No, they don't like voting, yet they voted. It's something that was completely voluntary. That's... <laughs> like, they took part in a vote that wasn't a real vote. Like, guys, was you're lying mandatory? to yourself. Wasn't mandatory? No one was even encouraging no, them to do like, it. No, there was I did no not science. enjoy that. <laughs> they won't make me do it again. Masochists. Yeah. 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 How to get the masochists vote out. Yeah. Well, so that, I think what we've learned is yes. only five thousand people took part and I've got 113,000 followers. Not a great turnout. So I think all of the rest of people don't like voting so we should entice them with gift vouchers. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage Sarah Pascoe. so much i think fundraising is so important and i think that doing things like this is so fun and so easy and um i feel very guilty at the moment because i was in norwich three weeks ago i'm not guilty about that but um <laughs> I, was, I had to go for work but um i fell over i fell over in the street because i was on whatsapp and i fell up a curb and i felt and I'm falling over and I, and I felt like such an old woman like if it's such an old person thing to do but then i dripped my trousers uh, on the knee and then i felt like a young person <laughs> with their ripped jeans and then I decided oh I'm allowed to get new trousers now because I've ruined these trousers and so I was walking over towards Topshop and then a man with a clipboard and an amnesty jacket said to me oh can I speak to you for a moment and I said no and I carried on walking and then under his breath he went I'm a big fan of your work oh god I know I know I know I know and the thing is I do give money to amnesty I have a direct debit for six pounds so that's over 60 pounds a year <laughs> that's how much I hate human rights abuses and um, <laughs> but I've had that direct debit for over 10 years because when I was at university my job was I worked in a call center for lots of different charities and I was very very bad at it so what I would do at the end of a shift so I didn't have none I would sign up for that charity um, and so I've got a direct debits to about 25 charities for very small amounts and I wanted to then tell him that like I do give to Amnesty and sometimes I do gigs for them and stuff but then I thought you can't just go back and be like oh do you know who I am well now I'll talk to you um, <laughs> so I didn't but then I just didn't let myself get any trousers as punishment other things that have happened recently this is all kind of for me relevant to what we're talking about okay a month before this so um February I had to go to a YouTuber's house and I didn't even know what a YouTuber was um, but just in case you don't know what it is is a child who <laughs> talks rubbish and is a millionaire and um, uh, so 
I'm, I'm promoting a, a book, so they made me go to this girl's house, and she was absolutely lovely, and she was interviewing me in her bedroom, but I found it very distracting, because on her bed she had this blanket, and it was black, and it had a gold crest on it, and it looked exactly like the house crest of Slytherin. And um, so during the interview, I kept looking over that bed thinking, it can't be. I mean, well, it really looks like it, it can't be. And she noticed me keep looking at her bed, and then she asked me about why I was looking at it, so I think she thought I was kind of gesturing we should get in. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I was really patronising to her, like, oh, no, my dear, but you should know, your bedspread looks exactly like the house crest of Slytherin. You're going to scare your friends. And um, then she was like, oh, it is Slytherin? Slytherin's really cool now. I know, I know. And so I just got out of there as quickly as I could. <laughs> just ran off down the street. Later on that day, I was meeting up with another young woman. She's 24. She's doing her first Edinburgh Festival this year. And I was just meeting up with her to give, like, you know, like, grandma advice about comedy. And I was saying to her about this young woman I'd met earlier, and she had a bedspread, and she thought that Slytherin was cool now. And this young woman, she did not answer me with words. She unbuttoned, then unzipped her trousers, exposed her underwear to me, which had the house crest of Slytherin on it. <laughs> that is what happens under a Tory government. But they don't even know you're supposed to hide evil. You're supposed to be ashamed of yourself. And uh, no, no, so we're, we're, we're letting down the children. <laughs> the poor children. It's not their fault. They just don't know any better. Now, I think what's difficult with politics is that we're electing someone for such a short term. I think it's very difficult to make sensible decisions in the long term for young people and for the next generation. And I'm going to use the analogy of Uber. Now, you know, everyone knows what Uber is now, but I just have to explain it in case you've just woken up from a coma. Um, <laughs> Uber, it's a cab, but it comes with judgment. Uh, you get reviewed on the end on how you've sat in the car. And um, I've only got four stars on Uber and I've lost one and I don't know how. Like, I, I sat there quietly. I was wearing my seatbelt and deodorant, which is more than I can say for you, Nikolai. Um, but... Um, Uber, they have what is called an aggressive business model. So, like, lots and lots of these kind of multinational corporations now, they underprice the existing taxi firms, so they put them out of business. They don't pay tax in our country. In the long term, they're terrible for everyone. But in the short term, it seems better for the individual because it's cheaper. And actually, it's marketed at women in particular to make us feel safe. The fact that more people can get a cab home at the end of the night, the fact that the driver comes to where you are because of phone signal, and they put a little picture of the Uber driver on there to kind of reassure you who's coming to pick you up. And the Uber drivers, as a funny prank, have taken the scariest photographs <laughs> that they can. They're always done from below with eyes like they hate you. And you're only ever calling for one because you're scared, because it's half two in the morning and you're drunk. And you're like, oh no, this is a very dodgy area. I'll, I'll be a sensible woman and get myself an Uber. And then you press it and it goes, Arnab's on his way. <laughs> Shit. Because this guy's definitely coming to kill me. And you can see where he is because there's a little map. You can see him in his tiny car. He's only a minute away. He's just turning around from the knife shop. So you know you've only got 60 seconds to get out of there. And so, of course, you're fretting. Like, oh, no, what should I do? Should I fly down a stranger's car and ask him to rescue me? Like, what if that guy is a murderer? Like, at least with Arnab, there's a paper trail. If I go missing, he'll be the first person I'll check with. I'll better wait. And then he arrives. And then to check that it's him... Because of the angle he's taken the photo at, you have to bend down and look upwards. You have to get into the passenger side footwell. And um, often by then it's too late. Now, I'm being very naughty. I shouldn't be scaremongering about Uber. I only actually know one person who says that they were murdered by an Uber driver. That was my sister, and she's lied about this kind of thing before. So... But the reason I think Uber is a really, really good example of what happens when we are voting is that... 
Some of us feel like we are voting for everyone, things that don't benefit us necessarily but are better for everyone in society, and other people think that that's a silly way to vote. I feel so ill-equipped to talk about politics in a serious way because whenever I do, I feel like there's so much more information to learn. The biggest lie that's being told us about our current government is that the cuts are saving us money. Now, number one, they're not spending any less money than any other previous government, and the cuts are costing society money in long-term effects and in individuals' lives. There are so many things that I could say now about, you know, disabled people or people who are caring, the health service, the teachers, and then obviously the students who are suffering from education cuts, the rape crisis centres. There are so many things that, no matter who you're voting for, pick a thing and find out what's happened locally under the last government. Find out what's happening to them and tell them, even if you're going to vote Tory again, speak to them and say, I'm voting for Tory, you have to fund these people. Anyway, 22nd of May is my 36th birthday, but also it's the last day that people can register to vote. And young people tend not to vote because they think politics doesn't affect them. And that means that the politicians don't try and please them or implement things that would improve their lives. Under the current government, wages aren't rising, it's more and more expensive to rent a house, people are moving out of home later and later. It used to be 20s, now it's 30s, it will be 40s. This might be the first generation who never have sex out of their parents' earshot. <laughs> That's really bad, guys. You can't afford university and you'll never leave home. Just register and do a BuzzFeed about who you should vote for. <laughs> And vote for someone. It's just fun. And then you can do a Simpsons one, and then you can find out if you're in Slytherin. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Bye. My challenge is, uh, is this. I wear this necklace, and one of the charms on it is a Votes for Women coin. Now, one of the things the suffragettes did as outrages, uh, one of the least destructive things they did, is to destroy coins by writing votes for women on them. And on the other side, often they would write WSPU, which is the Women's Social and Political Union. And they'd put them back into circulation. And because they're damaged, they had to be taken out of circulation. But it also got the message out where everyone was looking, their wallet. These are very rare. You can get them, obviously, because I've got two. Um, but they're rare. They go for between, like, £65 and like £150, depending on their condition. So I've got one here that I got for 75 quid. So this really backfired. They were trying to devalue money, and now it's worth £75. <laughs> <laughs> Silly women. <laughs> Silly women. They don't understand <laughs> economics. They never do. They don't get it right, women, do they? So this is a genuine Edwardian Votes for Women coin. It's been destroyed by an actual suffragette hand. I am currently holding it in my hand. What I would like to do is auction it off, bearing in mind that the suffragettes, if they'd known that today we were doing a fundraiser for the Women's Equality Party in this room... St Paul's to Cathedral. Try and get ..in St Paul's <laughs> Cathedral... <laughs> ..to try and get some representation, meaningful representation for women... I feel like they'd be disappointed. I feel like this is them with us saying, even though they'd be disappointed, they'd go again. They'd go again. They'd keep going again because it took them so many times to get the vote. Would anyone like to vote 50 quid? You can make it into a lovely necklace for not very much money. I'll have it for 50 quid. You'll have it for 50 quid. Does anyone want it for 55? 55. 60? 65? 70? 75? 80? 85? 90? 95. All the money's going to the Women's Equality Party. I'm not taking it, by the way. Uh, 100? 100? 110? 120? 130? 140? 150? All the money's going to the Women's Equality Party. 160? How much? 300. 300. Do I, Is the hand still up there? Do I hear 310? 
<gasps> I hear 310 there. Do I hear 320? Do I hear 330? Do I hear 340? You know, it's just a penny, right? <laughs> oh my God, Sarah Pascoe. This is what my husband does to me when I'm negotiating for a kitchen. It's history. There's actual suffragettes have damaged this and they're giving it now. This is a line of history to the Women's Equality Party. Do I hear 350? Thank God. Do I hear 360? Does that 360 at the back? Do I hear 370? Do I hear 380? Do I hear 380? So 370 going once. 300, 370. Oh, 380! 380 for Do I hear 390? Do I hear 400? Do I hear th I've 390 once? 390 twice. This is 390 going to the Women's Equality Party. It's really going to help. Thank you guys so much. Do I hear 400? 400! <laughs> Do I hear 410? It's 400, going once, going twice, going three times. I'm gonna bring it to you. What I would so love though, I would so love, because Debs keeps going on about it being a magic coin, if at a carnival they put it into a machine by mistake and they body swap with John Hamm. <laughs> she regrets forever selling it so cheaply. Can I just say, can I just say, I just found out that the woman who bought the coin for £400 also donated this room. Oh, I know, we love her. The chaplain and some calls. She is an actual Women's Equality Party angel who donated our answer to St Paul's Cathedral. massively admire anyone who's happy to be an MP at election time because I have a podcast uh, I don't know if you've heard of it it's called The Guilty Feminist and uh, recently there was the Chortle Awards does anyone know what the Chortle Awards are? They're comedy awards so you get nominated for the awards by your peers and then the public have to vote and so then you have to go on Twitter and go, hey, everyone, does, doesn't, you don't have to vote for me, but it'd be really cool if you just wanted to and just like, eh, whatever. Um, and you have to hope people vote for you. And it's like me turning up to the Chortle Awards and not just finding out if I've won a trophy to put on my mantelpiece or my downstairs loo or whatever. It's like me turning up to the Chortle Awards to find out if I'm allowed to podcast for the next four years. <laughs> That's what being an MP is. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if, what do you do for a living? You're a teacher. If your students had to vote on whether, not just whether you're a good teacher or you could win a special ribbon, but whether you could ever teach again. Can you imagine? Would you think your students would vote for you? Yeah, they probably wouldn't. So, do you see what I mean? Like, this is actually terrifying. Like, imagine if you were to garner votes for other things, like your sex life. I sort of think if I had to stand as wife to my husband once every four to five years, if I had to sort of stand for the role of wife, 
I'd be a lot nicer to him. <laughs> I'd say, but it's all going to change next time. I get why MPs lie. I get why they lie. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's all going to change. It's all going to be different. Yeah, the last four years have been fairly shit. I'll agree with you there. I'll agree. I've done fuck all around the house. I've done nothing that anyone in a traditional old school sense would call wifely. I'm a shit. I'm a great partner is what I'm trying to say, but I'm a terrible wife. He does all the cooking and all the washing up. I mean, I wash my own clothes just basically, occasionally. If I had to stand for the position of wife in the borough of our flat, I would have to lie and tell him things would change. <laughs> I would have to say, but no, I'll learn to make a casserole. And then I'd have to be seen to be learning to make that casserole, even though I don't ever intend to make it once he's re-elected me to the position of his wife. I'd have to put sexual favours on the manifesto that, frankly, I'm not up for. <laughs> but the thing is, with actual MPing, with actually standing to be a Member of Parliament, the reason it's an odd position to stand for and the why you do need to get votes is it's really the position of being a person. That's what it is. I'll be a person on behalf of all of you and make all the decisions that a person would have to make. Because if we could all do everything by referendum all of the time, that would be the best form of democracy, wouldn't it? If everyone voted on everything, that would be the best form of democracy. But if we've learned anything in the last year, referendums are shit. <laughs> Don't have those more often. That's a terrible idea. So all we've got is let's nominate some people to be token people and they can make the decisions on our behalf. And here's the problem. If none of those people are women, and half of the people who are people are women, it's fucked. Because, okay, here's an example. I was in a flat at a festival with two comedians, and I was talking about the value of diversity. And so this was an example. There was a big department store, and they had a place coming up on their board, and it was something like these numbers. There were 12 places on the board. They'd worked out that something like 78% of their customers were female, and guess how many women were on a board of 12? Zero, that's right. There were zero, zero, zero people who reflected their customer base in a significant way, like gender, on the fucking board. So they were trying to fill these spaces with female candidates, but the men on the board were going, but will there be any women who would want to do it? <laughs> to this headhunter, and she was going, yes. Will there be any women who would be able to do it? Yes, there'll be loads. Are you serious? Any woman here would do that in an instant almost. And these men were like, but why do you need women on the board? Now, these were progressive male comedians and it was just a few years ago and we were in this house and I was saying well to reflect the custom base they'll have insights that men won't have and they said well if you listen to the market research you shouldn't need any women <laughs> and I went wouldn't it be nice to have some though they went not really no <laughs> and this is what they actually genuinely said to me Sarah will know who both these men are um, they actually I mean you won't be able to identify it from the story but I'll tell you later <laughs> This is what these men actually said. One of them went, well, if there was a gun shop and the customer base were 100% male, I'd have no problem with two women running that. And I went, how many gun shops are run by women, though? Well, it doesn't matter. 
in a mythical gun shop, in a hypothetical gun shop, a woman should be able to run a gun shop even though no women like guns. Women like guns and women have guns. I'm sorry, I'm not advocating for more women to have guns. But at this point, I fucking was. I was like, I'll get a gun to show you. And even though I work a lot in diversity and inclusion, that's like one of my main jobs. And I was explaining that to them. They were still going, no, well, it's just invalid. Any group should be able to run anything and all men running all a department store, even if 100% of the customers are women, is no fucking problem. Problem. And I was just like, it is a problem. And it got, okay, so what had happened was, firstly, I was hormonal. Secondly, I'd had a gig cancelled at short notice because it was in Australia and it was, there was terrible weather. There's always weather there. And so suddenly, it was an outdoor thing. It wasn't, so it was all geared up for a gig. And instead of the gig, I had three glasses of white wine. <laughs> so when they really couldn't understand that it was necessary sometimes to have a woman in a leadership role where they really couldn't understand that, I started to cry like a cascade of tears, like someone had died. <laughs> I started to cry and sob and weep and say, but why can't you see why women are necessary in leadership roles? And they went, you get too emotional. <laughs> we need women to represent women. We need women to represent men. The same sort of people, just one big fucking homogenized, unsupervised group of any sort of people can't be human beings who represent all human beings. We need the people in the House of Commons to represent us and therefore made up of us. It is true we can't do it ourselves. It is true we can't be bothered to do it ourselves. It is true when we're asked to do it ourselves, we fuck it up. But we still need some of us to be in there, which is why tonight we're doing a fundraiser for the Women's Equality Party. Thank you. Party, Catherine Mayer. I feel like you should have come in with more fanfare than just been sitting there. I feel like so, it'd be nice if you were carried in on the shoulders of men. Can we have some men carry Catherine in? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you seriously? Why not? I think yeah. people think you're joking. Yeah, they obviously do because they're not fucking moving. You, you can carry if, what, Catherine on your own. If this went fires own. and people are like, I would have voted for the WEP, but I'm worried she's going to make me carry her places. <laughs> then they weren't really WEP voters at core heart if they didn't want to carry the president like she's Bodicea. Brilliant, there's one carrier. You, sir, I feel like you, you have heft. Yes. Okay. Of this. this is the worst night not to have a photographer. I mean, this is the worst possible night. Okay, so they're making a basic hand chariot now. Your basic hand chariot. This is a hand chariot for equality. This is a democratic, democratic hand chariot. This is hoist on the shoulders. And here's the picture. Here's the Shots. Here's the money shot. These are men that give a fuck about democracy. Look at them. Look at them. That's something else, isn't it? That's something else. Um, and it's it's a brave woman who will let four beta males carry her. 
I'm not saying you are Beta Mouse, but you are at the Women's what? Equality Party fundraiser. Deb, some of the things you say, I wonder how you managed to get this podcast together. <laughs> it's an ironic joke, though, Sarah. <laughs> I think your chances of pulling tonight, boys, have skyrocketed. <laughs> and if that's not what feminism is about, I don't know <laughs> what it is about, is all I'm saying. So, Catherine, can you tell us, you started the Women's Equality Party, why? The story, the night that you started it is quite an interesting story, so why don't you set the scene for everybody? Well, it was a room very much like this one, only larger. Larger than St Paul's Cathedral. (laughs) (laughs) True. Millennials, (laughs) It was slightly less echoey than St Paul's Cathedral. And it was full of women and some men, a bit like this room, and it was ahead of the 2015 election. There were some brilliant women MPs at the front, and people, one after another, were saying they weren't going to bother to vote at all, and that is quite tragic. So I stood up and said, maybe we need a women's equality party that you can all vote for to re-engage you in politics. And I also said, maybe we need a party to do a bit like what UKIP has done to British politics. UKIP at that time, it was already obvious that they were creating seismic change with only one MP at that point. And I said, maybe we can do a kind of benign UKIP. And if we show that... Do you mean a UKIP of the left, just to be clear? If it's going to turn out that your whole strategy (laughs) is to create a female-led UKIP... And you have just given your penny. I'm sweating. We should have read the website first. (laughs) We really should have have read the manifesto. So... UKIP of the left. So with the grassroots nature of their... I guess their pressure group. Taking a a few issues and putting that into the mainstream politics and making the bigger parties chase... The point is that when UKIP started to win votes, the big parties, instead of pushing back against them, contorted (laughs) themselves to be more like UKIP. And I said, okay, if the big parties just copy the things they think win votes, how about we show that gender equality is a vote winner and then they will all copy what we're doing and they'll get better and we'll win and they'll win and we'll all win. And I said something like that, possibly marginally more coherent. (laughs) And I ended it by suggesting that people join me in the bar, which might have been a very expensive sentence, particularly Mm. because a lot of people did follow me to the bar. Ah. And social media took over from there. So by the time I got home, after having bought rather a lot of drinks, I looked on social media and it said not that I had suggested a women's equality party would be be a good idea, but that I was founding one. Ah, (laughs) trust Twitter. Brilliant. And then I, the next morning, rang Sandy Toxvig, who's a friend of mine, and I said to her what had happened, because I thought she might be interested. And she said, but darling, that's my idea. Oh. Which surprised me. Mm. For the end of the wonderful WOW Festival at the South Bank Centre, she was working on a fantasy women's government and she said to me darling would you like to be foreign secretary (laughs) which obviously was quite an appealing idea but instead we founded this party the second person by the way to sign up on facebook where i put a little post that night was sophie walker who is now the leader of this party 
Um, so it just shows how dangerous social media can be. Yes. It's not only, yes. not only turned all of our lives upside down, but everyone who wrote that they thought it was a good idea has now basically had to give in their job and is working full-time on politics. <laughs> so are you looking to create change through pressure? And what changes are you looking to make? Well, one of the very first things that people said to us is, but we don't need a women's equality party because we've got equality. I mean, women have equality. Look around, women have equality. Yes. Um, (laughs) I've had various experiences as a journalist, which was my original career that gave the lie to that, like going to interview a famous Nobel Prize winner who I will not name but who answered the door and said to me, I would offer you a cup of tea, but the wife's not in. Um, And uh, Mm, I said the other day, I would put the bins out, but Tom's away. Yes, exactly. Same. That was similar. Boy boy jobs and girl jobs. I know, I know. Yeah. I know, and the glee. The the sad thing was, in my case, it was true. (laughs) Bins have just piled up. Sorry, go on. But, well, I was going to say, so so Theresa May, then Theresa May comes along and they go, okay, well, now you really Mm. don't need Mm. a women's equality party. Because, I mean, look, we've had a second female Mm. prime minister and in fact the other day I was at a TV program and this male researcher came to get me to go um, and do my interview and I went into the studio and there were two male guests and there was a male sportscaster, a male newsreader and a male presenter and the male presenter said to me, so um, you don't really need to exist as the Women's Equality Party because there's Theresa May and there's Angela Merkel in Germany. And you nearly had Hillary Clinton. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) Feminism came second in America, so that's good. (laughs) Runner-up. Well done, feminism there on a silver, a strong silver, and it's worked out as well, hasn't it? Because it's virtually the same Donald Trump, isn't it? That's been virtually the same for women. I don't think we'd notice the difference. But it's true that with equality... If someone does see the world as equal, this is something that all of us in our lives every day are contending with. It's about how we then engage with those people to describe it. Because I had the same thing on Sunday brunch, one of the presenters, just before we went on. He said, are you still a feminist? (laughs) (laughs) And and I said, oh, yes. And he went, but Theresa May's prime minister now. Yeah. Oh, is she? (laughs) Oh, sorry. I find numbers are quite useful. Mm. So, I mean, I did some number crunching for my new book, which I might just hold on. Brilliant book. Attack of the 50-foot women, how gender equality can save the world, which, of course, it can. I just thought that female leader thing was quite a Mm. useful one to look at because, of course, people keep saying to me, there are so many female leaders. Actually, there are 144 full and partial democracies in the world, 53 of them elect both a president and a prime minister. So if you crunch the numbers and work out how many potentially elected positions women could occupy in the world, it is 7.6%. That is how many female leaders there are. Mm -hmm. So that sort of number actually gives the lie to this. But this government is, of course, the threat of a hard Brexit, for example, absolutely terrible for women. But it isn't like the other parties were doing a good job for women either. So the reason that we have to exist is because the old mainstream parties cannot sort out their own women problems, much less bring gender equality. That's, you know, we don't want to be doing this, but that's why we exist. So some people tweeted me today and said, if, say, for example, the Women's Equality Party stands against especially a female Labour MP... 
it might split the vote and it might give the Tories an extra seat. How do you respond to that? Well, I would respond, first of all, by telling them to look at the seven constituencies in which we're running. And by the way, I'm so proud and happy that we are running in our first Westminster elections. We're not even, we will be officially a major UK party for two years in July. So we're not even two years old. We we already have 65,000 members and registered supporters and 73 branches across the country. And the reason for that incredible growth and the reason we're able to run people is that a lot of people recognise that the old model is not working. We are also the only party that immediately we existed. We opened our membership to members of other parties because we think the idea of political monogamy is very passe. Yes. Um, you know. I like that. I really do like that. I think monogamy in general. Is a, we just live too long now. We live yeah. too long. It was great when people died Tom's at 30. Tom's writing down, screwing down another edict. Yeah. <laughs> The thing is, I'm not running for another four years to be Tom's wife, so it's fine. Uh, but um, So you can be a member of the Labour Party or a member of the Women's Equality Party? As far as we're concerned, they tend to sometimes decide that that is fine and then other times not. So I think you're probably famous enough that they wouldn't throw you out. Are you saying Jeremy Corbyn wouldn't kick me out of bed for voting WEP? <laughs> Did Jeremy Corbyn contact you by any yes, chance, Sarah Pascoe? That's the hot gossip. He DM'd me, guys. Oh, this, is, this, is, <laughs> this is all I know. I don't know anymore. Can you please tell me more? Tell me more. Look, like, does is, he have a car? Is, no, he has a bicycle. The thing is, <laughs> the thing is, whenever I talk about politics, I honestly feel so stupid, and I need to not let that stop me wanting to find out more. So. Interesting, last week on, I did Have I Got News For You and I tried to talk about the Women's Equality Party and Ian Hislop really shouted at me and, <gasps> I, and I did not have the information to back up but it was exactly what you're talking about in terms of the constituencies that were chosen to run in. Ian Hislop, that well-known feminist. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it was a thing because obviously it's a comedy show but you're talking about really important things. Like it does get quite weighty on there. There's things you don't want to be silly mm. about and I was talking about how because the election was so quick there were all these huge things we should be discussing before there's another election and we don't have time and that's why I brought up the Women's Equality Party and things that the other parties aren't even touching on yet mm. and then yeah he started shouting at me Jeremy Corbyn wrote to me because I'm doing this so I'm raising more money for you guys but I'm a Labour Party member I know people have very very mixed feelings about Jeremy Corbyn and I listen to everything because people seem to understand things or be able to predict things so much better than I can but he just seems like in many ways very reasonable I think he seems very genuinely kind I think he means very well and he wrote to me asking for ideas about how to get young people to vote and so I just sent him like loads of ideas that I had he's done that to quite a few people and I thought it was really nice mm. I'm kiss well we do need more young people to vote if more we, young people voted we could get the Tories out that's literally the only way he, though isn't he it he was kind of saying however anyone broaches it the thing is that this is a generation that politics is affecting so whoever mm. they vote for they should be part of it by engaging them now so actually he wasn't even saying this might win Labour the election it was more just this is what has to happen and anyone with a voice should be trying mm. to help that if they can anybody with a voice should absolutely be trying to help everybody should register to vote but what I would say is there may be different priorities in terms of you know mitigating the impact of the conservatives and whatever but none of the old parties are going to deliver gender equality why do you think we are in 2017 and they don't do it they all pay lip service to it they all sometimes do really good things mm. and all of them by the way have done good things somewhere along the line but they have also done an awful lot of nothing the overriding policies though Labour getting in is better for women 
than the Tories getting in, right? Right. Labour has quite a proud heritage on women, but some of the best things they did, like Sure Start, were actually aimed at children, really, rather than being aimed at women. And what really happens with just about any form of political organisation is that women end up somehow magically at the back of the queue. Mm. So ours is the only party that is absolutely determined to maintain focus on that. So we have this completely different political model. And it's really important at this point because the old models are not working. Mm. So we have a political model. We started out being collaborative in ways that the other parties aren't. It's very funny us being shouted at for vote splitting. I mean, to your, I do want to answer your point about these supposed seats where we're supposedly going to let in Tories. I mean, there are no such seats. We are standing, our brilliant candidate, Nimco Ali, is here somewhere, I think. Yes. Um, oh, I can see her at the back of the room, standing in Hornsey Wood Green. And that has annoyed some people because there is a Labour female incumbent in that seat. The fight in Hornsey Wood Green is a three-way fight between NIMCO, the Labour incumbent, and the Lib Dems, mm. all of them actually arguing in different ways for mitigating Brexit, for example, but we are the only party with this. I mean, the other thing I brought, which is even more exciting than my book, is I brought the manifesto. I mainly... Mm. This manifesto, I mean, we have proposed universal childcare, which is not just the biggest idea in this election, this is the biggest idea since the forming of the NHS. Mm. You know, it is absolutely transformative. And by the way, the leaked Labour manifesto goes some distance in that direction, picking up a policy from our October 2015 policy document. Mm. So yeah. that mechanism I pointed out, the ways in which the old parties will copy you yeah. when they see you winning votes, that works. So we have a multi-pronged strategy. Parliament needs Nimco Ali. Well, so we can, I think Parliament. we can introduce Nimco to come and speak to us as well. Big round of applause for Nimco. Hi. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So Debs and I didn't know that Nimco was here tonight, which is very exciting, and also she's running in my constituency. <laughs> yes, so, yeah. yes. So we now know which constituency Sarah Pascoe is voting in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> made my decision much easier for me. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn, I blocked you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I would be really, really excited to hear you two talk about? 
and I think for our listeners as well, is the manifesto, like what's in there, because that's what we should be talking about. And I feel like what you're talking about in terms of the bigger parties, it's the voiceless that always lose out because they don't have time to complain because they're too busy doing the things. That's why they suffer under every government and that's who you're giving a voice to. So talk to us about the manifesto. Okay, well, I'll give you a couple of top lines, but we have a really interesting and thought out policy on immigration, which I think I might pass over to Nimco on that one. But on the top line here on childcare... This is something which actually pays back. You know, it looks like this big investment. It looks like a big amount of money, but actually we did the sums. This is fully costed. Like all of these things, if you create the opportunity for women to work unimpeded, if you allow women to participate fully, that generates so much in economic growth and in tax revenues that you pay it back incredibly fast. Mm. And we also have a way of doing it that happens to make the pension system fairer as well. Okay. So universal childcare. Just as so, so, we're, so we're talking about 40 free hours of childcare a week for anyone with a child basically from the moment of birth to school for 48 weeks a year, which no other party is talking about this. We're talking about fully shared parental leave as well, with like really serious chunks of time that parents can take off with their kids properly funded. At the moment, there is a little bit of paternity leave, a little Mm -hmm. bit of shared leave, but it's open only to a few people. And because they don't take into account the way in which the gender pay gap Mm -hmm. works, lots of men say they can't afford to take it because they're earning more than their female partners. You look at the Nordic countries, you can see if you actually make a system that works where people will get 90% of their salaries. Again, it looks expensive, but again, it's very easy to find different ways of financing this and it pays back so fast in economic growth. So we're focusing on, instead of what the sort of classic male-dominated approach to this is, oh, we invest in infrastructure. And they always mean things where you put on yellow high-vis jackets, you go out there, you build a hospital, and then you cut nursing jobs. Um, You expect women to take up the slack Mm. in all of the caring. You pay any profession that is largely centred around caring and largely occupied by women less. We're talking about making all of these things valued, seeing them, valuing them. I'll pass on to you about the... Nimco. So fascinating. Hi. Yeah. Hello. Hi. <laughs> no pressure. Just, um, if you live in Hornsley and Wood Green, please vote for me. But, um, <laughs> That's the that, most yeah. important That is message. the most important thing. Why are you running, Nimco? I'm running because I had this conversation the other day, and if you know me, you'll know that I've spent the last six years talking about my vagina. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that politically, but I did because um, in 2010, I started this campaign to basically end FGM. And I started that campaign because in 2006, having just come out of university, I was at this local school and I met these young girls that told me about their experience. And I essentially saw my silence as complicit to the misunderstanding of something that happened to me personally. And when this election was called, it was a little bit like that. I looked around and I thought, if not me, who else? And I am the Audacity of Hope um, candidate. And I want to say that because the whole point is I'm young, I'm black, I'm Muslim, I'm a child refugee, and I'm a woman. And I'm all the things that should be feared, but at the same time, I'm all the things that should be celebrated in the UK. And... Thank you. 
on that note, on that note, actually every single political party would have like, you know, said, oh, I won't say the political party that essentially said me standing for them would be optically amazing. And I thought, but I'm, but exactly, no, no, but this is what I mean. So all the things I said that was amazing about Britain and they wanted me to stand as a token and I've never been a token. I've just been an example of the beautiful things that can happen. Six years ago when people said to me that you can't reframe the issue of FGM and it's never going to end and you're crazy. I was crazy, but we are living in a time where ultimately FGM can end in our lifetime and violence against women and girls, all these can end. And the only reason why I'm standing for the Women's Equality Party, it's the only party that every single policy I believe in. And I love my leader. I support her 110%. She doesn't mean me. She means Sophie. Oh, Sophie. Sophie, yeah. <laughs> she, she, she does I love, love all the. I love you too for funding the party. But I'm, I'm always the only person in a room. I'm always the only black person. I'm always the only Somali person. I'm always the only woman. But sometimes, like on these panels when we're doing hustings, I'm the only person that knows her manifesto. And I'm the only person that actually agrees with her party leader and will fully, 100%, be whipped politically. Um, <laughs> politically, on all the things that are in our manifesto. So the reason why I'm standing is because I believe in equality and I believe that, well, okay, I'm not going to be egotistical because, um, but I do believe that I'm the greatest candidate to stand in Hornsley Wood Green. And. <laughs> I feel bad about saying that. But. Do, you know, do you know, I mean, I keep seeing these people going online and telling Nimco that she hasn't got a right to stand there. Mm. And they say things to her because there is a woman Labour MP and they don't understand why we would stand there. And we say, the reason we're standing in Hornsey Wood Green is because we're in the first-past-the-post system. So basically, we need Sarah Pascoe to be living in the constituency <laughs> to be able to vote for us, except that Sarah Pascoe appears to be doing electoral fraud, but we'll ignore that. <laughs> um, we need, in the first-past-the-post system, typically and legally, people have to live in the constituency to vote for the yeah. person. And you know what? We don't support first past the post. We campaign also for electoral reform because first past, first, first past the post has been shown globally to be really bad for women and to exclude all sorts of minority perspectives that are incredibly important. And also it makes you make a binary choice. Mm. The reason that Nimco is running in Hornsey and Wood Green is because we have thousands of supporters there and she has a chance of winning. And I, and I watch these people go online and tell Nimco that she hasn't got a right to stand because there's already a woman there, as if that was in some way something interchangeable. And I also watched one of them tell her that she shouldn't stand against this particular MP because this particular MP was good on refugees. Um, but yeah, they would never say to a man, you can't stand there, there's already a man. We've already got a man one. They wouldn't say that. They wouldn't say to a man running for the Green Party that, you know, you might take away some votes for Labour because they understand the environment's important and two men are different human beings. So, and so, so it's funny you say that because in Vauxhall we have another excellent candidate who happens to be a BME woman, Harini Iyengar, and the Greens also have a BME woman running. And there, of course, there is a Labour woman MP, but the Labour woman MP is Kate Hoey, who went on the barge with Nigel Farage. So she's not exactly popular with the Labour Party in that constituency. And so there's this idea that, again, maybe we can have a progressive alliance, maybe we can get her out. You, oh, I guess Nigel's ringing. Um, <laughs> 
and I think it's Ian Hislop. <laughs> He's got oh, some things hope, to say. So. But you know what's happening in Vauxhall? There is a male white Lib Dem candidate, and both our candidate, Harini, and the woman from the Greens keep being told they need to stand aside for the white man because Europe is the most important thing. As if we don't all have policies about Brexit and the danger from Brexit and ours are again much better. Better policies, better candidates. So I was going to bring it back because you said you had an interesting pitch on immigration. So it's to be kind and humane and um, so one of the... That is interesting. <laughs> radical. I was on a panel on Saturday and a man from The Guardian, because The Guardian thinks he knows everything about brown people and women. Um, <laughs> it, it does. He looked at me and he said, um, so if your party succeeds, then what really happens? And I said, well, happiness, like children get looked after, there's free childcare, there's less rape, murder. And has anybody ever seen Demolition Man? Yeah, so I constantly use the whole thing like death, murder, kill. There's like less death, murder, kill in the world. So it is about like, you know, closing down Yarswood, actually treating people with respect and humanity. And it's not about giving everybody asylum, but being respectful to their experiences. Tomorrow, my mother, who's an amazing woman, leaves to go back home to where she came from, not like in an offensive way. <laughs> but to go Not because see... someone shouted that at her. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Um, just to go back to see her mum. But honestly, it's like, literally... It's Maybe that's what they mean. Go home and see your mum. Yeah, she's goes, back to where you came from. She's probably missing you. Just for a visit, though, just for a couple of weeks, send her my love. Yeah, seriously, yeah. My, um, and it's literally a year since I went back for the first time in 27 years. So my mother, who was 28 when she came to this country as a refugee with myself and my two brothers, and she was six months pregnant, and my sister, was treated respectfully, and we were able to rebuild our lives, and Yarlswood and all these other things didn't exist. And what happened was that my grandparents were able to join, and they went back home, and they kind of like, you know, lived their experience and did everything else. And at the moment, I'm working with Help Refugees around the same time as running a campaign to be elected. But it's, there are kids that could have been me, that could be me, that are stuck in Calais, that could be coming over here. The United Kingdom is one of the most beautiful places in the world. We have this amazing thing called cynicism and sarcasm and it's like, you know, everybody calls me bitter, but I'm just British. But, um... <laughs> so we have, like, all these beautiful things and it's... And one of the things I want to say to you about a refugee is that there's, these, there's so many misconceptions that my family uh, never wanted to leave. They had to leave. And a lot of the people that want to leave for Syria or whether it's Afghanistan or Iraq and everything else don't want to leave. But if we give them time and space, then they will go back and they will build a greater and better world. And that's one of the things that I'm really proud about the Women's Equality Party. Not only are they putting me up for somebody that talked about her vagina, but they're also putting me up as somebody that is, like, you know, a complete different to everybody else. I don't need to have a translator to speak to the Somali community. I know what it's like to be black. I know what it's like to see young boys dying in the streets and thinking, is that my cousin? Is that my brother? Is that somebody else that I know? The question that you asked was about immigration, but it's like, we're just going to, like, you know, say the fact that it's about love and respect and dignity, and that's one of the key things that, like, you know, differentiates us from all these other dictators that these refugees are running away from. From. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of every single one of you, four in five of us, actually do want to welcome refugees and there's more love and hope in the world. And I just want to thank each and every one of you for being amazing because I know there's more love here than there is hate. I
just want to add one final point on that, of course, which is the other thing about immigration and about the migrant wave is that it's gendered and men and women travel for different reasons and female migrants are, for so many reasons, so much more vulnerable. But also, I mean, just give you one example. They set a certain amount of money that you're supposed to be able to prove to have in order to gain access. And of course, because of the global gender gap, women are much less likely to be able to even come here. There is not one system that we are looking at that is not gendered and is not biased against women. And that's, you know, to your first question, why do we need the Women's Equality Party? Because we are the only people who are going to dismantle that huge structural inequality that's right the way through society, whoever you are, whatever you're doing. I wish Ian Hislop were here now. I want him to come and yell at Nimco. <laughs> I do. I genuinely do. I want him to look at her and go, no, listen, white men in suits are the only ones with a shot, so you're all very lovely, but in reality, the white men in suits have got this. I don't think he'd be able to say it to you, is what I'm saying. I think he can say it to oh, Sarah. I think you're undermining. I know, he, he would. <laughs> no, because, no, and this isn't me, I don't want to play Ian Hislop. Because his response, as we know, would be to anything, would be, well, how are you going to pay for it? Mm. Uh, that would be lovely. And then he's, oh, I'm fed up of hearing that you're going to tax corporations properly. That's not enough. What else? What other idea have you got? You think, I'm out of my depth. Mm. Um, <laughs> that they need to ask. Um, I wanted to ask what you think about mandatory voting, which some countries do have. Um, do you think that would be a good thing, particularly with regard to getting minorities who often don't vote in yes, far large I'm, numbers? Yes, I'm do from you think... Australia, so I'm super in favour of it. <laughs> because so, in Australia, if it wasn't compulsory to vote, people would just be like, surf's up, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> oh, I'm sure someone else has got this lark in this, uh, this old... Like, they're all the same. And they, no one would vote except the politicians. So I absolutely, I am Australian and I love the fact that we have compulsory voting because I think it makes people engage. You do have to make sure it's fair because otherwise Alan Ardvark gets all the votes because people who don't know just come in and go him. But we also have proportional representation. But we also also have a really shit government that's been right-wing for ages. And every time I go to Australia, there's a new prime minister. And I feel like saying, guys, have you not thought of Match.com or something? They cannot find a fucking prime minister. That's my thought, you guys. Yes, as part of electoral reform, um, and it would involve Sarah Pascoe having to vote several times. Yeah. <laughs> Mandatorily. Do you want my opinion? <laughs> um, yes. You're the only one here who's going to be an MP, so yes. Um, yes, I do, but also with compulsory um, PSHE, because I think young people need to be educated about their parliamentary system. Because yeah, yeah. I, I was like, you know, I... This is, she's given the best answer. That's why she's going to be the MP. Um, no, honestly, honestly, I like, you know, the weird thing about having survived the civil war and having to deal with a dictator is that you really get into the nitty gritty of listening to the constitution of every country mm. that you end up living in. I know how the parliament on this country works and it is about sort of PSHE, which definitely should include like, you know, compulsory SRE. So I do believe in compulsory voting, but informed um, voting in that sense. So what you're saying is getting a dictator in does sharpen the mind for politics. Well, America 
Europe is going the right way, isn't it? It's, but it's a, really, it's a really good point that um, this country used to only let people who owned land and money vote. And mm. then we created a system we thought it would be fairer if everyone had a vote. But the point of that was we were going to make sure that everyone was educated to a point that they could use that vote. And that is actually what is failing. Because never ever in the inhabiting government's interest in educating people and sharing knowledge and getting, having an informed choice because it will be against them. Can I share a weird, uh, like, so um, ever since becoming a politician or entering the political arena, I've stepped back from conversations on Facebook and I've been seeing a really interesting one which involves my brother who's a conservative, I'm not. And um, he's a Somali, which I am and he is as well. There's this really weird conversation about the ethnic minority votes and I'm not sure, like, you know, how many of us are BME in this room, but there's this assumption that, like, you know, you belong to one party and then you automatically have to vote on that day, that's how you vote, and another party doesn't exist and I'm non-partisan in the sense that I don't believe in the concept of evil Tories or the fact that the Labour's for me or I understand what the Lib Dems stand for. Um, but at the same time... Um, <laughs> see, I'm being nice. I'm, I'm being fair to all. Uh, but in that sense, I've kept seeing these things about these young, beautiful people who are passionate about politics but so ill-informed and there's no context, which is so similar to when I was working for a large organisation about consent and about like, you know, access to porn and media and all these things. There's a lot of information out there, but there's nothing contextual for these young people to say, so what have the Tories done for me? What has the Labour government done for me? How can I, like, you know, now in 2017, vote within a, like, you know, a view? Obviously, I'm saying to all of them that if they live in Halsey, they would agree and they should vote for me. But otherwise, I'm like, study your local MP because it's not about voting for Jeremy Corbyn. We don't have a president. Your local MP, whether they're Tory, Lib Dem, Conservative, your local MP could be somebody that represents the things that you really are passionate about. Vote for the things that matter to you. And if equality matters to you, look for the person that's most equal in that sense. If Brexit is what you're voting for, if your bin's being collected twice a week, it's like all those things, it's about your local and your best candidate to be sent to Parliament to argue on your behalf. This notion that Tony Blair, I have to say, created where it's about a president that we have to vote for, it's total rubbish. And that is what I just want to say to a lot of young people in here is like, vote for the best person and if your friends don't like it, at least you can sleep well at night. Yeah. Yeah. Follow The Guilty Feminist on Twitter at guiltfempod. Check out our Instagram, instagram.com forward slash theguiltyfeminist. Like our Facebook page, sign up to our mailing list to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. And please go to iTunes and rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find the podcast. Uh, Sarah Pascoe, have you got anything to plug? Um, I've got a book called Animal that people could buy if they wanted to. Thanks, Woos. And um, I'll be doing an Edinburgh show in August. Great. Okay, go along, say that. Don't you? Oh, um, I am going to plug voting. Uh, Could you please, please, please vote? I was Uh, all on the march. Oh, no. Voting? No. I'm also going to plug this T-shirts with Women's Equality Party T-shirts at the back. If you buy one, even if you don't want one, give it to someone who doesn't want one for Christmas. And send them, just buy one and send it to Philip Davies in Shipley, who's a misogynistic MP in Shipley. pop a sanitary towel inside. (laughs) Used all. Nice surprise when he tries to put it on. Just buy a T-shirt, it's really helpful, and they're fun to wear, there's lots of fun designs. We are doing a leadership day on May 22nd called Include Yourself... And I have got a diversity-based comedy panel show called Global Pillage. Now, it's a bit like, have I got news for you, except it's all the questions are about diversity. So I was wondering, Nimco, would you like to come on it? Because they often have MPs on... 
And then everyone goes, oh, they're so human and amusing. I'll vote for them. Uh, so that's how Boris Johnson's mostly got his... Uh, his Everything. He's got everything. Did you say shags? I meant to be behaved. I didn't say it to the... I didn't you just... The you didn't say it to the microphone. If you say it near a microphone, though, <laughs> loudly near a microphone, it will be amplified. This is something you need to know as an MP. Every mic is a live mic. If she didn't so have my... Didn't don't have my... do a Gordon Brown at this late stage. Don't. If she didn't have my vote before, she'd have it now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's how Boris Johnson's got everything he's got. Catherine, have you got anything to plug? I suppose I should plug my book as well as my party. I did plug it before, mm. but here it is again. Attack of the 50-Foot Women, How Gender Equality Can Save the World. Super. Um, which tells you actually literally everything you need to know about why we're as fucked as we are and how we can, <laughs> and how we can sort it all out. Is it on tape? Because I, like I like to listen while I'm not, doing other not things. Not only is it on tape, but the most wonderful woman, Tanya Moody, did the... Did the, um, the reading. The reading. Oh. Yeah, what, what the hell Read is it called? Out. An audio book. Audio book, yeah. That's what the word I'm looking Fantastic. for. And I'd kind of like to plug my party and my party's manifesto, which is you the should other great read, which is on our website, www.womensequality.org.uk. And that's the thing for any listeners who would like to donate money, that would be fantastic if they could go to the website and donate money, because this is a fundraiser and we want to raise as much as we can. And the final thing I'm going to plug is, you know, we mentioned Philip Davis. I am not going to plug Philip Davis. Uh, I am going to plug Sophie Walker, the absolutely spectacularly brilliant leader of this party and her amazing campaign against Philip Davis in Shit. It's going to be so fun. It's, I feel like she's going to win that. She needs to win that. Yeah. We do not need... Feminism needs to win something. As I said, we've got a silver in America and that <laughs> turns out that means... Nothing. Uh, that means things get much worse for women, much more Well, it, if Philip Davis would slot really neatly into the Trump administration, oh. so maybe we should suggest that. It, yeah, absolutely. He can fuck off there. Uh, Nimco, do you have anything to plug other than vote for Nimco? No, I don't. I do have a book coming out, but that's not coming out for a while now because I'm standing for election, and it's very rude, and it's called Rude. It's called Rude. Brilliant. It's called Rude. It's all about vaginas. I am going to, I'm thinking about moving just so I can vote for you. Um, can we have a please, please, please have a big round of applause for our very special guest, Catherine Nimco. say uh, uh, live from etc venues St Paul's and St Paul's Cathedral live from St Paul's Cathedral <laughs> yeah don't anyone Tom, tell anyone are we allowed to say that at St Paul's, St. Paul's Cathedral well God can't angry. be angry <laughs> can he does God technically own St Paul's Cathedral it's God's house fair enough okay
All right, I'm going to say live from etc. venue, St Paul's Cathedral. I'll just say St Paul's Cathedral. Live from St. the Paul's Cathedral at St Paul's Cathedral. Sarah wants me to say live from St Paul's Cathedral. Are you okay with that? Yep. He's, he doesn't mind. He I just like the idea of people at home being like, hang on. <laughs> Is it St Paul's Cathedral? Yeah, yeah. But we never mention it again. Never mention but it at again. The end, we all sing a psalm. <laughs> This is Deborah Francis-White from The Guilty Feminist. Thank you for listening to our election special. If you would like to donate, you can go to womensequalityparty.org.uk. It's easy to do that there. And you can also join the party there, even if you're a member of another party. Please register to vote by the 22nd of May and encourage others to do that too. Remember, the more young people who vote, the better. It's your future you're voting for. The Women's Equality Party are standing in seven places. So if you are in one of those constituencies, read their manifesto, get to know your candidate, consider voting for her. Speaking for myself, I want to say a left-wing government is always better for women in general. Please consider voting Labour, who've already adopted some of the Women's Equality Party policies. Or consider voting strategically in your constituency to vote the Tories out and vote for a fairer society for everyone, which includes a strong NHS and more funding to public services. Thank you to all at the Women's Equality Party and all of you for listening and engaging in a feminist democracy.